to Life with Ed, the podcast. I'm Julia Wirth, your host, a registered dietitian in New Haven, Connecticut, and I'm really excited to have you with us today. Um, today, we are talking about something a little different than the rest of the series has been. You know, we started this uh, eight-episode series back in April with Sandra Bogurski, a doctor, um, really talking about, okay, how do you approach the conversation of weight? And from there... I've tried to have conversations and send them out into the world to you guys that are not had that often, that are kind of on the edge, um, a little bit controversial in this field. You know, can intuitive eating work? We addressed that last week. Is residential appropriate for everyone? You know, does the group setting have negative impacts on some people or is it wonderful? What do you do when your spouse has an eating disorder, right? Um, There's been a lot of really great conversations, and today is another really good conversation, but it's different. It's with a licensed marriage and family therapist. Her name is Joelle Rabot-Melatis. I'm sure I pronounced one of those names wrong, Um, but she is a therapist in California. Uh, She reached out to me to be on the podcast, and she specializes in the intersection of eating disorders and post-traumatic stress disorder or trauma. So she sees a lot of veterans. She sees a lot of people in, um, you know, the armed services and had just a really interesting perspective on eating disorders in that field. And that's something that as someone who used to work at the Coast Guard Academy, I saw close up and personal that eating disorders, even though it's we've made so much progress in addressing them and treating them and not sweeping them under the rug in the broader, um, you know, culture, that's not really the case in the military. And um, I thought she had some really insightful things to say, and I think you'll enjoy the conversation. So before we dive into this episode, I just wanted to remind everyone that if you're interested in working with me or one of my associate dietitians at Worth Your While Nutrition, we are an all virtual practice and can see clients, um, you know, for nutritional therapy anywhere, you know, in New England. And then we can see people um, for coaching anywhere in in the world. So please feel free to reach out. Uh, You can find us at worthyourwhile.com. So W-E-R-T-H yourwhile.com. Or you can email me at worth your while nutrition. Again, that's W E R T H, your while nutrition at gmail.com. And one last thing I want you to think about before we dive into, the, into today's episode is that a QA episode is coming up to end this series. I'm going to have Natalia and Rachel, my associate dietitians, back on to answer everybody's questions. I've already gotten some great questions from listeners. Um, But if you have any of your own, please send them my way. We are recording soon. So send those questions over to worth, W-E-R-T-H, your wild nutrition at gmail.com. Okay, I think that's it. So let's get started with Joelle. Hi, Joelle. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Julia. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for um, joining me today. Uh, at least here it's pouring rain, so <laughs> that might be in the background a little bit. Um, but you're in California, I think, right? So. I am, and I, I it's you know sunny California today. Last week it was pouring. It's supposed to be ninety tomorrow. I don't know. It just what never happened? changes. <laughs> oh man! So I'm just wondering if you could introduce yourself and tell my guests a little bit about you and how you got into work with eating disorders. 
Sure. Thanks for asking. So I'm a registered um, or licensed marriage and family therapist, now MFT. Um, I also have a master's in education and fine arts dance, which is a whole nother story. And that's how I got into eating disorders that I was a ballerina. So you can draw the dots, right? Um, Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so I'm licensed in multiple states and I'm very blessed to have an amazing team and and a practice in um, the California Bay, Silicon Valley Bay area. And so that's what we do. We work with a lot of, a lot of different things that stem from trauma um, and eating disorders happens to be one of them. So that's how I got my start was, was studying eating disorders. And my dissertation was working with broad spectrum eating disorders, trauma and addiction, and sort of found my way into, to doing a lot of trauma work. So when you say trauma work, like, I think that brings to mind a bunch of different things, depending on who you are and what your experience is. Could you define right. that for people? Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's all of these different therapeutic models that, um, that therapists use. And, you know, I always say it's not the model, it's always the professional and, and connection, connection with the client. Um, but basically trauma is in the eyes of the beholder. So mm-hmm. somebody can come in and say, you know, I, I had this horrible thing happen to me as a child and that was traumatic. Someone else um, can say the last three years of, you know, COVID and, and politics and what's been going on in the world is traumatic. And it's not really for me to decide what's trauma for that person. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so it really is looking at somebody's world experience and worldview and then where are they not coping? And we mm-hmm. typically see eating disorder behavior is one way that people struggle right? Trying to, to figure out how to cope or control yeah. their environment, right? Yeah. So I guess in that example, like the eating disorder is often the coping mechanism, right? For, yeah. for the trauma and, and your job. So kind of pull that apart for them and help them maybe find other coping mechanisms that they're using. Exactly. And, and a lot of it comes down to um, feeling in control, right? So when things are happening to me and and the world is spinning out of control or my world is spinning out of control, I start to do things to control my my experience, right? And how I show up. And and so for some people that's that's disordered eating, for other people that that turns into a diagnosable eating disorder, right? For other people, it's addictions. I mean, we can look at it from a bunch of different perspectives, bad relationships, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I'm, think you have a lot of experience with military clients or people who have been right. in the military. Is that correct? Yeah. And they yeah. Might have PTSD. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And so how do eating disorders manifest in that um, population? Because that's definitely not the stereotype when you think of eating disorders. You typically think of like the teenage girl who isn't in the military. Exactly right. I think stereotypically we used to have based on what was in the DSM, right? This yeah. profile or right or stereotype of oh, if you had anorexia, you looked you looked in air quotes, right, like yeah. this, or you acted like this. And and we we know that that's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we work with a lot of military, and um, I think the way that that shows up in in the military population is is in a lot of different facets. And so one of it is this idea of being fit for duty and what does that mean? And mm-hmm. so that has to do with, you know, 
physical fitness. It has to do with, you know, what's your BMI, which we mm-hmm. could have a whole nother, whole nother podcast yeah, about that. Right? right. I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a friend of, of this idea of BMI. Right. So um, they do taping where they'll take a tape measure uh, and put somebody on a chart and what, regardless of health, right. Health and strength. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, well, if your body doesn't fit into, you know, this, this grid, then there's issues. And so I think eating disorders start to manifest in trying to, to fit into whatever that, that mold looks like. Right. So, you know, we see that a lot. We see everything from, there are not a lot of food, you know, options and choices for people, especially people who have, um, they're gluten-free or gluten intolerant. They have celiac, right? There, there are not a lot of food options. So yeah. that's a problem for people sometimes um, in the military. Um, you know, the, the type of foods that they have access to, mm-hmm. um, where they are in the world. So, so it, it's such, I think, a broad, um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of different things that, somebody who has disordered eating can struggle with, right? It's this idea too of being strong. So what we'll see is the body dysmorphic kinds of behaviors come up with, I need to, to be uber strong, right? right? And I don't, I what the image I see doesn't match what um, I'm suppo- supposed to, right? Look yeah. like, yeah. or, um, you know, uniforms are not made for women. And so like, they don't look great on women. And so we can, the the body dysmorphia coming out that way, where it's like, no matter what I look like, I, I feel like I look terrible. So I think it's a huge range. Yeah. It's really interesting. Like some of the things you brought up, um, my first job as a dietitian was, uh, after my internship and, you know, all those rotations, um, I, I worked at the Coast Guard Academy and just a contractor for them. And it was fascinating because like you're thrown into literally everything you just described. Um, and like the first thing that you were talking about that I saw again and again, I still have a lot of ROTC patients and different people in the military. And it's always the, the testing, right? Like, okay, I'm going to get weighed or I'm going to have like my weight waist circumference. And I need to be a certain place in order to even make it right. Like they would be discharged from the Coast Guard Academy, which is like their, their livelihood, their school, like everything, if they didn't make weight. And that's like such a bizarre concept as an eating disorder dietitian, because your whole job is like, okay, well, I need to get you to be comfortable around more than 30 inches around. Like it, it's very stressful. I'm wondering if you've had those sorts of experiences. Exactly. And, and so, and then also I, I hear a lot, um, people had struggled with disordered eating or an eating disorder mm-hmm. pre-military or pre-academy. Yes. And then they go into, we work with service academies too, right? Then they go into, to, that line of work and now all of a sudden um the eating disorder is in full swing right and so it's like well i couldn't you know i've i've heard this before right i couldn't have my disordered eating behaviors in basic training for 12 weeks but as soon as i was out of basic right and i just had one roommate then it started again right well so you know 
it, it, I think it comes down to that control piece of feeling so out of control. And then the cost is so high. If I don't, if I don't make weight, if I don't pass the PT test, if I don't, yeah. if I don't do all of these things, I'm going to be kicked out. Yeah. And also like just the, um, challenge to actually recover in an environment where you are in that restriction, right? Cause from the, the nutrition or medical side, we almost always see patients like go above, you know, the weight where maybe they'll settle eventually when they're, um, recovering because their body has been so malnourished and then they settle back down. So it's like, we're going to see you probably get out of that weight range. So how do you get someone to recover and, um, you know, actually be well in that setting. Yeah. And, and, and because it is a regulation, right. Or there are these, these standards, it's not a, well, a maybe it's a must, yeah. you must, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. How, how does one work with that? Right. And um, so we see the control, you know, people, I hear a lot of exercise induced behaviors, mm-hmm. right. So people are like, well, I'll just spend you know, I'll just do two runs. I'll run in the morning and then I'll run at night. Um, you know, I'll just do this kind of restrictive, you know, yo-yo dieting, right. Or, or people have all sorts of ways that they start to cope. And I think that coping becomes that then maladaptive. Yeah. So how do you work with that? You know, like how do you advise or counsel people when they're like stuck between that rock and a hard place of the eating disorder, but you need to meet these guidelines? Yeah. And I think it's, it's really client centered. In other words, as you know, too, with your clients, right. It, yeah. There's not a one solution fits all model. And so I think sometimes it's right. Are you, are you close to having to do your, you know, physical fitness testing and can we, can we do something short-term, put a plan together that really is skills-based. So um, where, you know, where are you getting stuck? Um, what do you need to do to take care of your basic needs, right? Are you getting enough rest, enough water? And usually answers no, no, I don't <laughs> sleep. No, I don't get enough water. You know, um, have you talked to a registered dietitian, right? Like some right. of it is yeah. like, have you, have you, you know, looked at these other resources that you have? Um, but I think it, it starts to come down to what's the lifestyle change that I can help you make so that you are successful over time because mm-hmm. something that's too drastic and too quick doesn't hold. So what yeah. are these small little steps that we can take to make those changes? And one of the other things you mentioned when you were first talking about your experience with um, mm-hmm. military clients is uh, the sort of dishonesty around allergies um, related to the food availability, right? So at least that's been what I see <laughs> all the time. It's like they they have celiac disease, as you said, or they have a gluten intolerance and they can't eat a lot of the things, but they're not able or willing to tell people about that because it's seen as a disability or um, you know a problem that they they aren't supposed to have. And so then they're stuck in even a worse situation where they can't get those foods that they need. Yeah. And, and yeah, then, like you said, that people can be released of, of their service, right. For, you know, physical, physical ailments, disease, emotional and mental disability and, and, and 
illness. And so I think that, yeah, there, there's a lot of, I'm just, I'll just suck it up. I hear that a lot. I'll just suck it up and deal. Oh, I just won't, you know. Um, but then there's also criteria where it depends on where you are in your, your military training of, no, you actually have to, you know, you have to eat the food we're giving you. And so yeah. then you have that piece, especially like when you work at the Coast Guard Academy or right when you're working with people that are starting in basic training where it's like you eat what's given to you and you have to, there's a certain amount that you have to eat and there's a way that you eat. And so um, I think that starts to really trigger people as well. And so when, choice. yeah, when you hear the, I'll just suck it up, like, what is, what is your response or thought um, with that? You know, it's, it's funny because sometimes the internal monologue and the external monologue are the same, which is not necessarily good therapy, yeah. but you know, <laughs> there are moments where I, 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 I will say, I'm like, how's that working for you? Like, yeah. like is it, how's that right. working out? And the response is not, right, right. And the response is always not well, duh, that's why I'm here, you know? Um, but I wonder too, I wonder, it's like, okay, well, what's the fear? And so sometimes it really isn't, isn't going after, okay, can we alter the behavior? Because Mm -hmm. maybe advising them, Hey, you need to be honest about your diet quote, you know, you need to be honest about your diet is something that will relieve them of service. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's my place to give that suggestion. Right. Yeah. That's how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then it's sort of, okay, well, what's the fear? What's the fear if, um, you were honest or what's the fear if you made different choices? What's the fear if you didn't suck it up, right? Mm-hmm. What, what does that look like? And so sometimes just, you know, sort of externalizing it and looking at it, mm-hmm. it's like, let's just play this out. I'm not asking you to do anything differently because the change is the scary part, right? Right. Yeah. So it's like, oh, let's just look at it and see. Mm-hmm. And then when someone is leaving that structured environment, you know, like maybe they're, maybe they're coming home from deployment or they are like leaving the military altogether. That's a huge shift. Um, do you see clients struggling with food and body image on that end as well? Yeah. And I think like you pointed out when it's really regimented and structured clients typically are more successful, right? Mm -hmm because their entire day is planned, their exercise is planned, their meals are planned, what they wear is planned. And it, it's easier to maintain the standard. As soon as that those standards aren't there anymore, whether they're home from deployment or um, they're reservists, right? So they have a different job and they go to the military, um, you know, on, on whatever their, their weekend drills are or where they're transitioning out, then all of a sudden, I think the choice is overwhelming, but that's when the yo-yo start, yo-yo dieting, yo-yo exercise, yeah. all of those things start to happen. Cause there's no, yeah. there's no control. I almost think of it as like, they have to become an adult all over again. Right. Like they, right. or like grow up all over again. Cause it's like, they had this one life and it's totally different. Um, yeah. How do you help patients through that transition? Putting a, it sounds counterintuitive, but putting structure back in place. Okay, yeah. let's try waking up at this time every day. Okay, let's try planning when you're going to exercise. Okay, let's, you know, doing a, a, a food log and not for calorie counting, but just planning. Right. Like, oh. yeah. so, you know, right? Again, have you talked to a dietitian? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
there's so many apps that help, you know, and I mean, there's, there's so many skills-based apps that are free that um, sometimes I'll have clients do that where it's track your mood, you know, track your, your exercise, your water, like put some regimen, put some structure back in place and see if that helps make you feel more comfortable, right? Not better. Cause I think better is a, a, just a subjective term that doesn't make a lot of sense, but does it make you feel more comfortable? Do you feel like you can be in your body for a longer period of time? Um, you know, it, and it definitely is that starvation mindset where I'm coming from something that's totally controlled and regimented and in some ways starving to yeah. now there's all of this abundance and I, I don't, yeah. and I don't like know how to regulate everything, right? Like right. time of food, like all of it. Right. Um, so what would you say, or what do you give as advice to like loved ones of those individuals that are struggling with this transition after being in the military? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, finding out what the triggers are for that particular person. Um, And that's a cultural, sometimes it's a cultural answer, right? Where, you know, families that have multiple generations, you know, food can be love, right? So being able to, to say, you know, what do I do that's triggering? Um, what do you need that would be helpful? Um, and then really working with the, the person to have that hard conversation. I don't want to, I don't want to get together during mealtime, or I want to be able to bring my own food without being judged or, or whatever that looks like. Right. And so family members, taking that seriously. I think a lot of times we say, well, just eat your favorite thing. I like, I just made your favorite meal and that'll make you feel better. And it's like, yeah, well, sort of, there's a reason we call it comfort food, but, it, but that's not necessarily helpful or supportive. Right. Mm-hmm. So does that feel good to you? And sometimes clients say, yeah, I just want to go home and, and have my favorite meal. And that makes me feel better. It's like, okay, cool. Let's, let's practice having that conversation with your family, with your family or your support. Right. Um, it sounds like even just communicating um, about what they're going through, right? Because so many yeah. people don't even know what it is like, like how much structure there is and how controlled their life is. And they ha- if they haven't been through that experience, you know, they might not even think about it. Yeah. And, and really working with families that, that, and I don't want to say support. So, so friends, families, whatever their support team looks like where comments are not helpful, right? It's almost, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And at the same time, sometimes nice comments can be triggering for people too. Oh, Mm -hmm. you, you know, oh, you ate all your dinner can be a really triggering thing for somebody. Right. So that level of vulnerability is really painful for people. It sounds so easy and, and simple. And I want to just, it, it is easy and simple in theory, right? But if it were that easy and simple, we'd all be doing it. Yeah. That's you know? like every conversation you have with a client, you know, you're yeah. like, well, I'm just saying like very normal, like standard things, but it's a whole nother world from where they're sitting. Right. Yeah. Cause it, it, it's, you know, intellectually easy to understand and no way simple to carry out. Right. So 
how does that conversation look? And so sometimes it's coaching the client to have that conversation with people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's coaching families to, to say, what else could we talk about other than body type, food, exercise, diet, how you look in your clothing? Like what other things can we talk about that are not centered around those things? Do you have any suggestions for that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I statements, right. You know, um, I'm really happy that we're getting to share a meal together. Um, instead of I'm really, you know, Oh, you ate all your dinner or, Oh, I'm really happy. Mm-hmm. We're having pe-, like being able to, to turn that more to an, 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 a feeling or an emotion. Right. Um, I really love spending time with you. So things that get, you know, again, that are, are really focused more on the experience, not on, on the what. Mm-hmm. And almost on them, right. Instead of putting Correct. it on the client. client. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Is there any last thing you would want someone who maybe um, just has a friend or a family member going through eating disorder treatment to understand about the best way to be a support? There are a ton of resources out there. Yeah. There are a ton of resources out there and um, take the hour to do some self-education, call somebody like me. Um, there, there are free support groups, call somebody like you, right? Like just, it, it doesn't take a whole lot to get the information and it takes a lot of mindfulness and practice to mm-hmm. implement the inf- information. Mm-hmm. I know. I feel yeah. like I always have parents saying like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but like in the moment it doesn't happen. Right. And you know, if people are working with a professional and you're not, and they don't like them, like find somebody new. There's a lot of great people out yeah. there, you know, and so I constantly joke, right? Look, I'm not the right therapist for everybody. You're not hurting my feelings. Just tell me and I'll find you somebody great, you know? Right. Yeah, definitely. I have that conversation all the time. Uh, yeah. Just yeah, no one wants to work with someone who doesn't like them or they don't like or they don't fit well together. It's not good. Right. So, well, thank you so much, Joelle. This was great. Um, I think a conversation people definitely don't have nearly as often. Um, so it was great to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for having me.